This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. G'day and welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name is Adam and I'm joined as always by my older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Welcome, Thomas. Oh, thanks, Adam. Good to be here again. Yeah, episode nine, Thomas. Mm. Yeah, think power number. Said, to think Dad said we would never amount to anything. <laughs> yeah, look at us now. <laughs> look at us now, Dad. <laughs> oh, listen, listen at least. <laughs> Uh, episode nine, though, uh, and the final episode in our intro series. Ten would have been a nice number. I can't help thinking, but mm. but here we are uh, in in true economist style. <laughs> yeah, we'll round up. <laughs> Ten economists don't round, do they? That seems oh, very yeah. un uneconomist like. Oh no, no, we don't get bogged down in the in the digits. <laughs> true, we're talking macroeconomics here, aren't we? We're not, you know, we can round. Wow, down to the nearest billion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. good. So our episode last week on MMT, if you haven't heard it, do yourself a favour, go back and, and listen to that one. Um, got people pretty fired up, Thomas, would you believe? Ah, I had I no be. idea that people cared so much about MMT, modern monetary theory, as it were. In fact, one of our listeners was so worked up that he decided to write an opinion piece in the Australian Financial Review. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. We we like email, um, but the AFR is good as well. But it came out. It came out almost the same time that that we dropped the last episode. Um, don't forget, you can always email us cve at equitymates dot com or via the website equitymates dot com forward slash cve. But if you are going to drop an article in the Australian Financial Review, at least tag us hashtag us <laughs> hashtag hashtag the show hashtag cve. CVE. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Wolfgang didn't do that, but he but. I just want to. I want to give you a few quotes from the article, okay? And you tell me if he's not talking about you. Yeah. Let's let's recap. So, money, modern monetary theory. What, what the reason why we're talking about it is it's like money printing, um, public uh, finance, money printing to finance government deficits. So, mm. money printing to for governments to spend lots of money on whatever they want. Um, MMT is a theory that describes what happens and why that's not as scary as we've been led to believe. In a nutshell, go check out the last episode for a fuller wrap. Yeah, because you're a, you're an MMT fanboy, aren't you? You're on you're on Team MMT fanboy. Ra ra ra, go MMT. Yeah, got my got my shirt. It's a short chant. If you went like, give me an M. <laughs> Only three letters. You, you'd be done in no time. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's one of the one of the things I like about it. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know that I'm a, a, a fanboy, but I, I do think I do think the the GFC experience and the quantitative easing era, the money printing that followed the GFC, mm. did create a lot of anomalies that orthodox economics has not been able to explain. And I think in the quest for an explanation about what actually happened and what is happening right now, I think MMT is doing the best job. I think I think they're they're in, they're ahead. Well, Wolfgang from the AFR would beg to differ, mm. and you're you're in his you're in his sights. So he said, "A spectre is haunting the world." Thomas, Ooh. modern monetary theory in spectre form is haunting the world, um, and he called it an example of how populist evangelists can gain quick popularity through blogs, tweets, and talk fests. <laughs> But avoiding serious professional scrutiny through established journals and critical book reviews, he's talking about you, isn't he? <laughs> I think we can read between the lines here. He he all he missed out was Dear Thomas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, a, gen, a generation of inexperienced fringe dwellers in finance and academia began to advocate MMT. That's you. Yeah, fringe dwelling, <laughs> fringe dwelling. You, yeah, finance and academia. You live yeah. in Mullumbimby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How much fringe as it gets? Yeah, he said the age-old wisdom that more money chasing an inevitably slow-growing supply of goods and services leads to painful inflation that cannot be brushed aside easily. Age-old wisdom, Thomas. Age-old. Age that's so, it. Is there something in that? Is that the key? Yeah, yeah. Old age. Something old, old age people believe. <laughs> I think. Uh, no, like he, he's, he's laying out the orthodox economic position. So th- this is still he's – he's an emeritus professor at UNSW, I think it is. And, right. Um, you know, this, the, what he's talking about is the standard line that's being taught in economics departments in universities across the country. And it's that money printing creates inflation. Painful inflation at that. Pa- painful, yeah. <clears throat> well, we and we talked about that last week. And my understanding, mm. if if you'll if you'll indulge me for a mm. moment, my understanding was that that inflation's not going to happen is as long as whatever we're printing the money for is not constrained. So as long as if there's enough things to buy with the money that we're printing, then inflation won't happen, and we can all just keep. Just, just fire up the printing machines and march our way into the future. Yeah, that that's essentially that's that's one of the insights of MMT or one of the the, the nuances that that MMT tries to add. And I think it's worth remembering that MMT isn't a radical reconfiguring. It's not of 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 economics. It's not like we're moving from a heliocentric universe to an Earth centric universe or one way to the other. So. What? <laughs> Sorry. So it was like something about point, a helicopter. I think what, helico- <laughs> what, what what's helicopter got to do with this? What's, what, oh, are we, yeah. what are we talking about? No, like, so, so, we, so we used to people used to believe that the Earth was the center of the universe. Then we started believing that the sun was the sun was the center of the universe, and that's a, a radically different you know worldview of how, how how things work. Yeah, MMT. I don't think. It, it gets painted as being incredibly radical, but it doesn't. It's not throwing out any of the old insights from or, or orthodox economics. 
I think what it's trying to do is add nuance to the picture. Mm. And so MNT wouldn't say that um, money printing doesn't cause inflation. I think it would say it can, but it might not. And it depends on the context that money printing happens in, whether you get inflation or not, or where you get inflation. Mm. Um, so that's so it's sort of adding that nuance to the picture. And, and that nuance is really needed because after the GFC, we saw the quantitative easing era in the US, massive money printing, and it didn't create consumer price inflation. Arguably, it created uh, asset price inflation. The US stock market tripled over the, the decade following the GFC. So there was inflation in some sectors of the economy, but not in others, not in consumer price in, in uh, consumer prices, which is where you normally expect it to show up. And yeah. so we needed we needed we need to be able to explain that, you know. And because there was an inflation, because we didn't see inflation, we've got what we've got now, which is um, governments and central banks saying like we're in a massive crisis. We printed a crap ta- crap can of money last time. Why don't we just do the same thing again? And that's right. and that's what we've got. Yeah, and so we talked about that last week, and there so we don't want to we don't want to cover over too much of, of the ground that we we covered off then. But we're saying now that people are just we should be letting it run at least. You know, we're, it's just a it's a it's a reality. It's not necessarily that we should be letting it do anything. It's just a kind of reality that we're in, um, and the printing money is not seemingly having a negative effect. So we don't need to jump on it right away and start paying back the debt. And I guess this this feeds into what we want to talk about today. We we and I say this with some trepidation. Um, today we want to talk about <laughs> uh, political economics, right? Or the um, you know the political economy. Mm. And Wolfgang in the AFR, Wolfgang, what was his last name? I forget. Casper. Um, Casper. Wolfgang. Thank you. Wolfgang Casper would no doubt be classed as a conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and is this a typical kind of conservative view or? How does how do the how do the different sort of sides of politics approach this? Yeah, I think I think this is this is where it's really interesting. So I think what what you're seeing here is a view that's starting to it would sort of seem to be a coordinated response to what's happening, um, and and the traction that MMT is getting. Um, and I think, th- and the conservatives are running arguments against MMT, trying to discredit MMT. But I think the arguments are fairly weak. Um, and you see, you see here, so Casper's pointing to inflation, but like mm. it, 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 it um, ignores this. The elephant in the room is that we've had a decade of money printing, and it hasn't created inflation. So, like, why not? That's that's mm. that's the puzzle that we need to explain. But it's the puzzle that conservative commentators just seem to ignore. When when did we have inflation? When was inflation at its worst? Uh, back in the seventies, probably. Oh, yeah. I don't think we've yeah. There's there's different types of inflation. Economists think about different types of inflation. There's what they call demand pool inflation, which is when there's so much money and so much demand and heat in the economy that that starts bidding the prices up of, mm. the, of everything in the economy. You also have what's called supply push inflation, which is when the cost of inputs go up and that pushes price levels up and we saw that with the OPEC crisis when OPEC got together and decided to push up oil prices that a huge spike in oil prices flowed through into that was an input into everything in the economy and so as that input cost increased that increased everything in uh, the price level um, in the economy right so that yeah so that sort of that was the last major intense period of inflation was back in the 70s really 
Yeah, cool. All right, sorry. So back to the back to the conservatives yeah, so approach the conservative, to MMT. I mean, the, the, other, the other thing that's interesting about MMT, I think, is that so it is true that MMT, I don't know what you call them, proponents or theorists or whatever. Are, Fan, fanboys. Fanboys, yeah. Um, okay, Stephanie yeah. Kelton. Yeah, she, was in, she was mentioned in the article as a um, yeah, yeah. She's probably one of the le- leading proponents or the economic advisor to Bernie Sanders' campaign. Right. Um, it is true that one that they are the fringe. That it's not widely accepted the MMT view yet. Um, it's still very much a fringe sort of idea. Even even sort of along conservative or progressive lines, MMT sort of exists even on the outer of all of that, and it's a very small cohort. <laughs> That. Spoken about it in whispers in speakeasies around yeah. campuses. <laughs> yeah. so when you get to uni, you can join the join the frisbee club or yeah. there's a secret or the MMT society. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it 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 was such such a central tenet of of orthodox economics for so long that that money printing causes inflation that. Right. Any any anyone who said that that wasn't true was sort of like just laughed out of the room, and in a practical sense, didn't get it, didn't get tenure, didn't get a position in the economics department. Right. And so they've sort of there's there's very few names that that you can point to um, driving driving this. And and Stephanie Kelton's a, a, an um, an exception to that, but the reason she's able to kind of as Casper uh, as Wolfgang Casper's complaining about is that she didn't do it through normal channels. She didn't do it through economic departments and published journals. She mm. did it through blogs and um, talk fests and <laughs> podcasts. Probably does that does that make it invalid? Then I mean, you know, we're looking at um, we're looking we're in COVID times and we're looking at um, vaccines and we want and there's lots of conspiracy theories flying around about bill gates is going to inject us with you know tracking devices and things um so you want something that's peer-reviewed don't you You want some kind of some backing for your claims or for your theories yeah yeah it's not enough to just go on a go on a talk fest like this or you know yeah, or a, just a bl- start your blog. own podcast or, yeah <laughs> yeah that's right who are you but, anyway uh, yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, ideally you do. Ideally you do. But again, this comes back to the... <laughs> ideally. Oh, it's nice. Sure, it's it nice, nice to have independent peer review. That's that's a nice to have. We put that in, in the, yeah. in the yeah. MMT club. We put that as a nice to have. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but this, like, again, it comes back to this Popperian revolution idea in, in science. Popperian. Stop. Yeah. What? Karl, Karl Popper. I talked about this last week. That yeah. that science doesn't advance in gradual incremental steps. It advances right. in in revolutions. You did, that, you did talk about. That. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So economics departments select people who already agree with what they believe, and and so on. And, and that's not a bad thing necessarily. You don't want economic de- departments jumping all over the the political spectrum one week to the next. Like no. a, a certain stability is probably ideal. But I think MNT has been around enough, and it's pointing to this. Like it's a massive elephant in the room. You've got massive money printing that didn't create consumer price inflation, and we're running the same story now. We and we we're running the same story now without mm. any without orthodox economics being able to explain what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen at the end of this, or, or what the journey is going to be, because we're 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 off the charts. With the story ends with there should be at some point consumer price inflation, 
but it does appear that the it's much more nuanced than that and that's where where mnt i think is adding value what's interesting about mnt proponents is that politically they all seem to be clustered around the the very progressive end of the spectrum Mm. that you know so bernie sanders for example that's you know he's you know practically a radical um and that seems to be where mmt proponents are the ones that get coverage that's where their politics aligns that they're progressive by nature right i've got something to ask you about that but before Mm. we do i just want to take a quick break here we'll take a pause grab a quick word from our sponsors and then we're going to come back and talk more political economics see you soon Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Comedian versus Economist. We're talking MMT and more specifically, or less specifically maybe, we're talking political economics. And Thomas, you were actually a political economics tutor weren't you at one point yeah political economy that's the sort of like the branch of economics that deals with the intersection of uh how the economy works economic theory and politics how how it gets dealt with in the real world let's not show off um okay (laughs) (laughs) so you were before the break you were talking uh conservatives and you know their view of of mmt Mm. um but the Liberal Party in Australia, at least, they've overseen some huge spending, some huge money printing, particularly in, in the COVID response. Um, and I've all, in my mind, they've always been the Conservative Party. So what's driving that? Are they expecting that they're still like Josh <coughs> Zoidberg is still like, we're going to pay it back, we're, we're going to get it back in the black? Or is even, are they like, they're not, they're not, they don't have a plan yet? Yeah, it's quite. It's a little bit of a ridiculous situation. Um, like we're talking about a trillion dollar deficit. Um, that you know, we've gone from a debt and deficits disaster to being totally cool with the trillion dollar deficit. So it's a, it's a very unusual situation. Um, the Liberal Party does seem to be clinging to um, the need for austerity and for running a, uh, disciplined budgets. Mm. Um, even though they're not right now and everyone's cool with that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a very unusual unusual time. Um, and I think, like, it's, it's worth thinking about what, like, why, why progressives have been drawn to MMT because progressives that, you know, want to run, typically want to run 
good social programs. They want public housing, they want free dental, they want uh, environmental protection support, these sort of things. Um, and typically the political resistance to those things is conservatives saying, look, oh, look, we're all about that. It's a great idea, but it's a bit tight this year. Yeah. Don't think we just don't have the money for that. Yeah, there's no cash. There's no cash here. Yeah, no cash kept on premises. <laughs> Big sign on Parliament House that says that. <laughs> I really hope there is. There must be, and I really hope there is. Um, yeah, and so so progressives who who want to drive a progressive agenda have been drawn to MMT because MMT offers a way to fund these things. Mm. Conservatives typically, and, and we're talking about not just like current era conservatives, but like for generations, um, have been opposed to government spending. And, tip, and sort of the driving idea out of the US is something called starve the beast. That if you, the less do you spend on, on government provision of services, the smaller government is. And you want to mm. keep the government small. You don't want it growing too big. You don't want it growing into a beast because once it becomes a beast, then it becomes difficult to control and you end up with totalitarianism. Right. Like So the full government control of everything, communism yeah, yeah. or whatever you yep. want to call that. And so sort of the doctrine of starve the beast is like, well, let's keep, um, keep government spending constrained to avoid um, it starting mm. to infringe on civil liberties. That's sort of the conservative um, I don't know that providing position. homes for people without homes is infringing too much on civil liberties, though, is it? Like, I mean, in terms of starving the beast, I think we could, <laughs> we could feed the beast a little bit and <laughs> maybe, maybe find a little, bit of, a little bit of room in the beast for some hospitals and <laughs> welfare programs. I don't know. Yeah, 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 you're such a I mean, I, I understand we don't want the government controlling everything and, you know, looking after us. <laughs> but, you know, maybe spread a little bit of, spread a little bit around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like I personally find it a little bit of a difficult position to to really defend wholeheartedly like I think it is. I mean, I guess like I, I'm probably more of a social democrat. I like I, I like the idea of the provision of essential public services, I think that's good. I don't think the market does a particularly great job, a great job of providing essential services all the time. So I think mm. there is definitely some role for that. Um, I'm not into you know totalitarian communism, <laughs> but we've not tried it. <laughs> yeah, well, we could give yeah, it a go. Give it a go. Why not? We're just trying everything. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, you go well. What do we know about about inflation and and money printing? Turns out we didn't know a whole lot about it. If this all works out, mind you, this is not like this is this is still got a long way to run. Something tells me, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not advocating yeah. communism here. <laughs> <laughs> You're just dog whistling to yeah. the communists in the audience. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I th but I think so. So it's so it's interesting. Like it's interesting because MMT itself is essentially value neutral. Like it's saying that uh, mon monetary sov sovereign governments can print money, can finance their own deficits, and can have money to spend on stuff that they want to spend. What they then go and spend with that—that's a political question, and it doesn't have to be progressive stuff. It could e as just as easily be spent on building a wall between, you know. New South mm. Wales and Queensland, as it could on 
um, you know, universal healthcare or something like that. Like it doesn't just because the money's there doesn't mean that it that it needs to go into progressive causes. Mm. So yep. so it's so it's interesting that that the conservatives are pushing back against it, and I think it it must be because it, it's it's this sort of starve the beast argument that they don't want um, government provision of 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 everything, and and that's sort of what happens if if there is an unlimited budget, mm. and I, and, that, and this isn't what MMT is proponents are suggesting there is. They're not saying that you can just money print and there's no consequences and you never have to. You never have to pay the piper. Then they're not saying that. Mm. But if that idea start, that's that's a m- misconception that's starting to take hold, and conservatives are driving that misconception. But if that conception starts to, to take hold, the political calcula- calculus changes radically because the, once the public thinks there's money for everything, then they're going to want money for for everything, for mm. all for everything that they they you know they want in life. So. It, it it is it is it does seem like it is a road to big government, um, and I think that's why conservatives are are worried about it and they're pushing back. But right now, like, and I think Wolfgang Casper's article is a, is a good example. They're not doing it very effectively, and they're not they're not hitting targets in my mind. They're not they're not mounting a good argument, and they're not addressing the the real problem, the like the, the the evidence that needs to be explained. They're not providing a plausible explanation. Hmm. Interesting. Something else that I've noticed, I noticed in the article, and something that keeps popping up is this uh, this word Keynesian. It's Keynesian, <laughs> yeah, Keynesian. That's some kind of reflexology, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Keynesian stimulus. That's yeah. when they really it's dig just, their knuckle into your heel. Yeah, <laughs> a particular point in the instep. You go get some Keynesian stimulus in there. <laughs> <laughs> is that it uh no it's keynesianism keynesianism right it's named after john maynard keynes um famous british economist in the 1930s <laughs> um yeah yeah famous yeah. british it's oxymoron yeah. isn't it? famous <laughs> economist <laughs> well, you don't have too many theories named after you um but, but but basically, so the the Great Depression hit, and and his response was that the government should just spend money. So that saying that the problem with the Great Depression was inadequate demand. There wasn't enough right. demand to keep everyone in full employment and to keep the economy ticking along, and the government should step into the breach. The government should just, you know, dig a hole, bury a hundred million dollars, and let people dig it up. Just whatever the the public demand should fill fill the gaps created by private demand. Right. And for sort of from the 30s through to the 60s, 70s, that was the dominant economic idea that the role of government was to backfill demand whenever private demand collapsed to a certain point and to, and to create inflation, sorry, to create unemployment, that right. the government should step in at that point. But that, that idea went out of fashion in the 60s and 70s. Why? Partly because of the inflationary episodes that, that followed. The, a lot of a lot of that sort of governments, you know, didn't always do a great job of reading where private demand was at and tended to overspend, and that overspending created inflation. It was it was arguably one of the causes of the inflation. So is that where MMT is different? Then is that is MMT is different because they're it's controlled spending somehow? It's controlled. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, I think. I think they kind of. They kind of click together in a way. Like again, it's sort of like MMT 
doesn't necessarily say what you should spend the money on, even though many proponents have progressive agendas that mm. they would like to see the money spent on. MMT itself um, just sort of is a description of how the world works, how the money flows around, what the money gets spent on. So whether it's um, you know military spending or whether it's backfilling demand through Keynesian stimulus, that's that's a political question. That's sort of not really what MMT is trying to answer definitively. So just to kind of kind of recap here, we're kind of nearing the end of this episode, but um, so it's still quite it's still quite a fringe kind of uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. It's we can't really separate it in terms of the left and the right. You know, you hear that you hear that a lot on on you know in the media about the left and the right and what their approaches to like um, the Labor Party, for example, aren't proponents of MMT, are they necessarily? Versus, but then I guess that's not you know true left and right sort of leftish and rightish yeah i mean there's, there's yeah the political economy's drifted a long way right over the last 30 or 40 years so yeah. you know what was what's considered progressive now like it sort of like the high watermark was probably Whit- whitlam and the introduction of free higher education and all of that that was probably like the high watermark for progressive left mm. leftish economic policy um and since then it's been drifting rightward and quite strongly and and that's taken both the political parties with it. That yeah. They're both a lot further right of where they used to be. Yeah, in, so in we're not going to... Mm. Yeah, we're not going to hear the... Because if the Liberal parties come out now and they're like, they're effectively doing... They're doing MMT. They've, they've been doing it. They're doing quantitative, quantitative easing. Um, we're not going to hear the Labor Party come out and say, um, we're going to scrap it if we get in. Like, we're going uh, we're gonna, to we're gonna put the brakes on. Are they, or is that what they're saying? Uh, it's very unlikely, I would think. Yeah. I mean, now, now that there is money for stuff, you know, typically typically Labor is is a fan of more spending rather, you know, relative to the Liberal Party. Mm. Um, the Labor Party's come a long way right over the last 20, 30 years as well, but um, they're not as sort of as aggressive as the, the coalition has been. Mm. There's, there's sort of the idea of the right-wing ratchet that sort of Richard Dennis at the Australian Institute talks about, which is that you try and to in order to starve the beast, you offer tax cuts when the time when times are good, and then when times get bad, you cut services. And so, you, and then when times get good again, you offer tax cuts, so that reduces your revenue. And then when times get bad, you spend less by cutting services, and it sort of ratchets down. And that's sort of what's happened over the last twenty or thirty years that the government sort of got smaller and smaller through cutting taxes and then cutting cutting services services spending. Well, uh, I reckon that does us for this week's episode and the final week of our intro series. So if you haven't heard the first first eight episodes of this series, then be sure to go back and start at the beginning. From here, we're going to uh, we're going to change up the format a bit. I think still to be determined exactly what that looks like, Thomas. But we're going to start start looking at a bit more a bit more current current events and some of the data that's coming out as it comes out. Look at some of the jobs data as it's released. Talk about what that means. Look at the growth data, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we hope that the first nine episodes that we've we've done here have given you a good grounding in a lot of the basic uh, or the fundamental macroeconomic terms or economic terms and concepts hopefully this is something that as we go on and and when we get to episode 450 and people are tuning in all over the world for the very first time we can say go back and listen to uh, episode one to nine where we you know we got in trouble with the afr because 
<laughs> because we paid out one of their chief riders. Um, I don't know, but we do thank Wolfgang Casper for his for his response to our episode last week. It was yeah, keep uh, listening, keep Wolfie. listening. <laughs> Appreciate you tuning in, Wolfgang. Don't forget, you can uh, leave a review on iTunes. That'd be that'd be good. <laughs> uh, but you don't have to. You don't have to write a, an article in the AFR to contact us. If you want, you can send us an email at cve at equitymates uh, You can find us on the website at equitymates forward slash cve. Big thank you to our uh, buddies over at Equity Mates, uh, Bryce and Alec, for their uh, for their support and helping us uh, get this intro series done and dusted. Um, mm, shout out to Sasha for the uh, production on this first series. Yeah, absolutely. It's just an amazing job Sasha does. Um, so, yeah, thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next week for episode uh, 10 the first one of the rest of them. (laughs) Uh, Until then, uh, take it easy and we'll talk to you soon. This podcast proudly brought to you by Equity Mates Media. Always remember, all information contained in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, financial, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to our disclaimer page where you can find resources to search for a registered financial professional near you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.